this morning, if you would uh, join me in turning to the book of Galatians. Galatians um, chapter number one is where we're going to uh, be this morning. Um, you have to forgive me. I've started to lose my voice, and I don't really know why, but it's just leaving me right now. So um, it could be I'm just going to have to go as long as it'll uh, as long as it'll last, which could be a good thing because then maybe we'd get out of here early, or it could be a really good thing and it'll last for a couple hours and we could get a little something extra. <laughs> All right, uh, Galatians uh, chapter number. Uh, one. We'll start reading in verse uh, number one. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, we'll continue reading uh, in the book of Galatians as uh, we develop the, the message uh, this morning. But I think something that we've all gone through in recent days is a lot of change, uh, especially over the last few years. I know that um, personally I've been at Freeway a little over uh, three years now, and so I had about a good year to get used to what regular ministry looked like here at Freeway. And then COVID came along and messed it all up, and nobody knew what was going on. Uh, and then, you know, we settled back into a little bit of uh, a semi-normal schedule. And so it kind of feels like I'm having to relearn some things, and things are still changing. And we still don't know exactly what's going uh, to be held in this new year. But as the world constantly changes around us, there is something that has not changed and will not change. And that's the Gospel. The big idea of this message this morning is that the Gospel has not changed and it will not change. The word gospel could be summed up with the definition good news. And I'm sure that many of you here this morning have heard and received the good news of the Word of God, the gospel. But maybe uh, for some of those that are here this morning, you haven't heard the gospel, the good news before. By the end of uh, this morning's message, I pray that if you have not heard and received the good news of the Word of God, that you would take the opportunity and receive it uh, here this morning. At the very beginning of this letter, Paul tells us about the Gospel. Uh, the word meaning, as we covered, good news. Think about the last time that you received uh, good news. You know, some good news, maybe you got, you got on the team, you made the cut. Uh, maybe for some, you got the raise or you got the job. You nailed the interview. You passed the big test or you received a nice gift. And uh, whatever the case may be, when you receive good news, we typically will celebrate that news. There's celebration that comes along with good news. Me and my wife uh, have some good news. I'm sure most of you have heard that in recent weeks, but uh, we're having a baby and we look forward to that and we celebrate that good news and we're excited about uh, what the Lord has in store for us. 
But as great as whatever good news you have has been, it all pales in comparison to the good news of the Word of God, the Gospel. The Gospel is the best news ever because it proclaims that the God of the universe, who is holy and perfect, not only created you, but loves you. Even though we have messed up by sinning against God, He hasn't written us off. He hasn't given up on us. And instead of being done with us, He made a way for us to be right with Him. Galatians 1.4 says that He gave Himself for us. Uh, he gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world. Through Jesus, we can be forgiven of our sin and spend an eternity with God starting now. And that's the big picture of the Gospel. Some have not heard it in this world. And they need to hear the good news of the Gospel. But many of us here this morning have heard the good news of the Gospel before. But sadly, a lot of Christians, when hearing a message about the Gospel will sometimes just kind of check out for a moment because they've heard the Gospel before. But the awesome thing about the Gospel, the good news of the Word of God, is that it is something that even as those who have accepted Jesus Christ have done accepting the Gospel, we still continue to need the Gospel on a daily basis. Some look at the Gospel as a one-time moment where they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and then they don't need the Gospel anymore. But I can tell you this morning that I need the Gospel every day. And I believe that you need the Gospel every day. Uh, Galatians uh, 1, in, starting in verse number 6, says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another Gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul is saying that there is no other Gospel than the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no other Gospel because Jesus is enough. He's enough not only to cover your past sins and your future eternity, but Jesus is enough for your present life. This means that we don't need to keep trying to earn God's favor as if we're on a never-ending treadmill of good works. Instead, we just need to look to Jesus and the Gospel and remember that we're accepted by God not based on our works or what we bring to the table. We're accepted by God based upon what Jesus has already accomplished for us. This means that even on our worst days, when we've messed up in a big way, God will never love us any less. This also means that even on our best days, when we think we've done everything right, God will never love us anymore because He has already given us all of His love. 
It's not about performance. It's about God's grace and mercy. And that is the good news of the Gospel. Not just at the start of Christianity, but for the rest of our lives here on this earth. We need the good news of the Gospel. As Christians, we need to remember that there is no other Gospel. Like Paul reminded us in verses 6 and 7, we need to be guarded that we don't buy into a distorted version or a false gospel, but uh, there are a lot of examples of a false gospel, but I just want to highlight three that many Christians fall into. Many Christians fall into the false gospel called the good works gospel. The good works gospel says work hard, do good, be religious. It pictures God as a merciless taskmaster who demands more from us The hope of this Gospel is that if we work hard enough, then maybe we'll be good enough for God. And that maybe one day He will accept us and allow us into eternity with Him in heaven. That's one of the first false Gospels many fall into. Another false Gospel is the happiness Gospel. This version of a false Gospel says that the Gospel is all about me and my wants, and my needs, and my happiness. And it pictures God as a genie in a bottle whose main goal in life is to grant our wishes. To give us money, possessions, or success. In this Gospel, there's not a place for hardship or suffering which kind of makes the cross difficult to explain. The last false Gospel that we'll cover this morning is the ticket to heaven Gospel. And I fear that there are far too many Christians that fall into the ticket to heaven gospel. This false gospel reduces it to a one-time decision that someone makes. Perhaps when they're a child or even when they're older. But the idea is that once you have your ticket to heaven, you don't really need God anymore. And after that initial life, you can live your life however you want because there's not really a need for God or the Gospel anymore. It's living life much like someone who doesn't believe in God. Practically an atheist. Just kind of one and done with God. They make one good decision. They accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and they say, hey, that's good enough. I've got my pass into heaven. I'm all good. My ticket's punched and I'm on my way and I can go back to living my life how I want. And sadly, there are a lot of Christians in our world today that live their lives this way. There are a lot of other examples of false gospel, but those are just three common ones that we face today. Remember, there is no other gospel than Jesus Christ. Instead, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, reminding ourselves that we don't just need God for one day off in the distant future when we die, but that we need Him now. We need to look to Jesus and the power of the Gospel to overcome sin and temptation and to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. In times when we feel like we're not good enough, smart enough, or spiritual enough, we need to remember that in the Gospel, Jesus says He is enough. He is enough to forgive your past sin, to help you navigate your present struggles, and to secure for yourself a future home in heaven. 
The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20 said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Imagine what would happen if we really began to live our lives this way, by faith. Imagine what would happen if we allowed Jesus to live His life through us daily. I wonder how that would change our lives and the lives of those around us if we just gave it all to God. To put all of our faith in Him. To give up our hopes and dreams for the purpose that God has placed on our lives. For the call that God has given us. Not only to receive the Gospel, but then to take another step forward and not just hear it and receive it, but then to share it with those around us. I shared a, a story with the teenagers this morning in, in Sunday school, and I'd like to share that again with you. Um, as a teenager, I had an awesome opportunity, an experience that a lot of people don't get to get or get to have in their uh, lifetimes, but I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip. Um, and uh, I don't remember how much it cost, but it wasn't like we just got to go for free. So, you know, I raised as much money as I could, and I wrote letters to family members and friends asking for help uh, to support uh, my trip uh, to the Philippines. And um, it was a real eye-opening experience. Now, I had, uh, up until that time, I don't know if I had been out of the country. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go visit a few places, but no place like the Philippines. Um, I believe uh, that we started out in uh, Manila in the Philippines, and then we also had the opportunity to visit another area called Iloilo. Um, and my, my youth pastor at the time, um, he took us on this trip and um, was scheduled to preach at the churches that we would visit. And just about every day, uh, we would visit a new church uh, while kind of based in uh, one main church that we would go during the evening. But during the mornings, uh, we would visit as many different uh, rural churches as we could uh, throughout our time there. Uh, one thing that I found out is they all like to eat. Um, and as I do. And so, um, you know, my mom is quite the worrier. Uh, she just worries about everything. Uh, you name it, she's thought about it, and she's worried about it, okay? And so um, this is the first time that I had been away out of the country without my family. Uh, I don't, as I said, I don't recall if I had been out of the country at that point before uh, that moment. So she's extra worried that I was going to be halfway across the world and you know, she'd have no access to me except for kind of a time window when our um, time being awake kind of lined up. And she didn't even know if we would have those opportunities uh, while I was away. And so she's uh, worried out of her mind uh, for what could happen. And, you know, she, uh, <laughs> before I went, she got me this, um, I forget what it's called, but it's like a travel belt 
for like my money and my passport and everything. And she's like, you're supposed to wear this under your shirt uh, at the airport and wherever you're traveling so that people can't uh, pickpocket you and take your money or your passport and stuff. I'm like, how am I going to use this if it's under my shirt? I don't want to have to lift up my shirt every time I need money or my passport. And so to humor her, I put it on before I left. But as soon as, I was, as, soon as she was out of view, I was like, this thing's coming off. <laughs> I was done with it. I didn't want it. But she was worried. Uh, another thing she was worried about was the food. Um, she was like, well, we don't know where it came from. And you might be in some rural areas and we, you could get sick from the food. And I've heard stories of people that just had an awful time because they ate the food and they weren't ready for it. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll just eat the rice. And she's like, only eat the rice and the mangoes. That's what um, Matt, your youth pastor, did. So that's just what you need to do is eat rice and mangoes while you're there. I was like, okay, okay. But man, we got to that first village church and you could smell the food as you're walking up. And I was like, I'm sorry, mom. (laughs) It's not going like this. You know, just about every other uh, teenager that was there with us was just kind of picking at the rice and mangoes uh, like my youth pastor said he did. But I was like, I'll take everything. Whatever whatever you have, I will try it. Um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, balut. Um, I'm sure many of you uh, have heard of it. Um, that was one thing that I tried that I didn't really enjoy. Um, for those that don't know, it's a, a duck egg um, that has gone to a certain point of development, and you eat the, the duck and all that. It, it wasn't a pleasant experience. I don't have a taste for it, um, but I did it. I tried it, and you know, they they were all, all of the locals were laughing at me because I was uh, no, thank you. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> uh, so they had a good time uh, at my expense. But man, the food was good. And so I, I piled up my plate, whatever they were handing me, I was taking it and I was trying it. I had a great time and I polished that plate off. And I go to the next um, the next church that day. And wouldn't you know it, I had stuffed myself at the first place we visited. And the second church that we went to also prepared us a meal. And you know, I don't understand everything about um, the culture where I was, but I had come to the assumption that it would be uh, disrespectful to turn away food. And so I was just like, man, I just ate like an hour ago, but it's too good. (laughs) Give me more. I'll take it. All right. And so, you know, I didn't get, uh, I actually didn't get sick from any of the food while I was there, um, other than the fact that I probably ate too much food. Um, But it was a great experience. But there was something as a teenager that I had not experienced up until that point. And that was what real faith in God and trust in God looked like in the life of a person. Uh, there's one moment that really stuck, stuck out in my mind. is uh, It was a village church in Iloilo. And um, we, our main transportation that day, I believe, was through a jeepney, which is kind of like a taxi service, but they just kind of cram you all into the back of a, a vehicle with bench seats, and you know they just fit as many of you as they can in there, and you just go where they're going, and you get off when you're ready. And it was quite, the, it was a fun experience. But we uh, took this ride to this village church, and um, we had to walk the rest of the way because the vehicle couldn't go down into where. We needed to go. So we're walking down this uh, unpaved dirt road. 
as we got further along, the dirt road came to an end and kind of came to a muddy hill. And I'm not exaggerating, but that the mud was probably about that, that deep. Uh, it was probably like halfway up my shins. And it was kind of the only like paved route that you could go through. It wasn't paved at all. It was just mud. But on either side were like, um, I think they're called mangroves, and you can't really walk through that very easily. It was much easier to go through the mud. And, you know, I wasn't dressed up super well. I wasn't, like, in a suit. Uh, life is a little bit more casual there. And so I was wearing some, like, nice boat shoes and some dockers and a, a button-down shirt. And um, so I, I tried to look my best for the environment that we were in. And um, so... You know, I wasn't too worried about the clothing. I was like, well, we got to do this. They're expecting us, and they've done so much for us in preparing this food. I mean, they're in a remote area, and they brought food for us to eat, and they spent a lot of time and their own resources to do this for us. So we got to be there. There's no avoiding it, and we didn't want to avoid it. We were having a great time visiting these people. And so we start through the mud, and the girls lucked out because they had a water buffalo with a sled, so they, the girls all got to ride the water buffalo, but they made the, all the guys walk. And that first step into that mud, man, my foot sank down in deep. And I, my mom had just bought me these shoes for this trip. And so I was like, oh, man, my mom's going to kill me. All right? And so I'm, I'm in there, and I was like looking at the, the locals that were walking with us, and they had taken off their shoes and rolled up their pants. And I was like... Why didn't I wait for them and to see what they did before I stepped out into this? So I pull my foot up and my shoe is still in the mud. And so I take my socks off and my shoes off and I'm carrying my shoes and rolled up my pants. And we walked for like a mile or two through just mud. And we get to the church and it wasn't a large area. And the church uh, building that they were in was just sort of a bamboo structure covering the seats were just um, logs that were cut in half and made into benches. Their pulpit was a tree stump that was uh, carved uh, and made into a, a pulpit. And they had food for us and were excited to see us. And I, I don't. Ex it was in 2012, so what's that? Like 13, 10, <laughs> math. <laughs> uh, uh, it was 10 years ago. <laughs> so I was 15 uh, at the time. Uh, and it just blew my mind that they were excited to hear the testimony of a 15-year-old from the States. I'd never lived like they'd lived. I hadn't been where they'd been. I hadn't been through what they'd been through, and they had it a lot harder than I did. But they were so hungry and thirsty for the Word of God that they were willing to hear it from a 15-year-old a boy. And it blew my mind because they wanted me to sign their Bibles too. And you know, I had bad penmanship back then too. And I just felt bad, like, I can't do this to your Bible. But no, no, sign, please. And so I'd sign my sloppy signature into as many people's Bibles as would come to me. As we were kind of talking, we had a, a guide uh, with us, a man from the church, the main church that we were with. So he'd help translate for those that uh, didn't speak English. And 
Uh, I don't speak Tagalog, so I didn't know what they were saying uh, either. And so um, the, the pastor that was with us told us that um, there was a lady in the church that had started traveling to the church meeting on Saturday so that she could be there by the Sunday evening service. The gospel was so important to this lady that she was willing to walk as far as it took to get to the closest church meeting. And yet, it seems like at the drop of a hat, we're willing to miss a church service here or there. At the first sign of the sniffles, or we're not feeling all that great. We didn't get a good night's sleep, so I'll just watch it online later if I get to it. It seems that we don't have any real commitment to the gospel, to God. And we say we believe in Jesus, and then it seems like at any whim we're okay with missing a service here or there. But it's not all that important to us. You know, it just seemed like a rock formed in my stomach as I heard that story. Because up until that point, I had never heard of someone walking like that just to go to one service, only to turn around after an hour and a half or two to go back home so she could be at work the next day. Making a fraction of the amount that we would make on a daily basis. They were committed to the gospel. They're committed to God. They didn't just say it, they lived it. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't do super well in the heat. Um, <laughs> of course, I end up in a place that just seems like the hottest. <laughs> but, you know, I'm here because the Lord wants me to be here, but I've never been in weather like there in the Philippines. Um, we got there, and the airport that in Manila was uh, air-conditioned. And so I didn't really know what to expect from the weather. I'd kind of heard that, yeah, it's humid and hot, um, but I wasn't ready for this. Um, the sliding doors to the airport opened as we walked outside, and it felt like the, my breath was just sucked out of me because of how thick the air was. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have a tough time while I'm here. <laughs> it's going to be hot. And, you know... That most of the churches we went to, they didn't have air conditioning. Most of them didn't have real walls. And the ones that did, it was hot. It was humid. But there's churches that we visited that had hundreds or even a few thousand people attend. And they packed it in. They sat on the floor if they had to. It didn't matter to them how long the service was. It didn't matter how long they had to stand for singing. It didn't matter if they had to stand through the whole service. They were hungry for the Word of God. It didn't matter if it came from a seasoned pastor or a 15-year-old boy. They just wanted to hear from God. Through that experience, 
I started to understand a little bit more what it was like to be a real Christian. I don't want it to be said about my life that I said one thing, but I lived my life another way. I say I believe the gospel, but does my life mirror that fact? Am I as committed as they were? Do I have as much of a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God? It doesn't matter where or how hot or how long. But that I just received it with open arms, ready to get something from God. We need the gospel. We can't get through this life on our own. I don't know how the world does it. I don't know how they have a secular job and a family and activities to participate in and get through the end of a day without breaking down. This life is full of hardships. This life is full of struggles. If it weren't for God, I don't know how I'd get through. And it seems the times that things start to go well and you start to maybe pull away a little bit because it feels like things are going all right and you're making good decisions. And those times when you start to fade away, everything just seems to come crashing down around you because it took your eyes off of God. I want it to be said about my life that I lived my life for Christ. That I lived my life Mirroring the gospel. And I live my life pointing others to Christ. Not putting myself up on a pedestal. Not lifting myself up, but lifting up Christ. The gospel should be an impact or motivation for attending church. The gospel should impact our desire for the word of God. For serving for giving, for living a life that is different from the world. When you begin to understand the gospel, you realize that these are not acts we do to earn our way to God or to heaven. But rather, when we look to the cross, we do these things as a grateful response to who God is and what He has done as a way that we can grow closer to Him. This is what it means to preach the gospel. It's not necessarily getting up in front of an audience and preaching the Word, but by living it every day. By sharing it with those that haven't heard. By allowing the Gospel to be preached through you. To allow the Gospel to be preached to us and through us First, we need to learn to study the Gospel. One of the best ways to study, and this is mind-blowing stuff here, but one of the best ways to study the Gospel is to read it. But you know, sometimes it seems like that's too much to ask. Oh, I've got to read a chapter? I get that sometimes reading isn't fun or enjoyable. I actually enjoyed reading as a kid, uh, and I started to like it less 
um, through school and through college just because I didn't get to read what I wanted to read. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to read boring textbooks. But it was important. It's what I needed. And if you spend any amount of time reading the Word of God, I think it would surprise you how interesting and exciting the Bible can be. It's not just a boring textbook. It's not just filled with random facts and information. The Word of God is alive. And the more that you read it, the more that the Lord will reveal to you about His Word and what He has done for us and how much we are undeserving of it. How much He loves us despite who we are and the decisions that we make. You need to study the Gospel. The more that you study it, the more that you learn about it and what God has for you, the more He reveals uh, about His purpose for you being here. The more that you learn to love Him, the more that you learn to appreciate Him. We get that from reading His Word. Not only do we need to study the Gospel, but we need to savor the Gospel. We need to enjoy it. To dwell on it. Um, I've told a few stories here and there about um, my dog. Uh, his name's Mando, and he's a, a Weimar runner. And I don't know if you're familiar with it. I, I've explained this to some of you, but he's a, a German hunting dog. He's real sleek and slender, and, and he's quick. Uh, they say that they top out as an adult around 35 miles an hour. And he's just, he's fast. Uh, there's no catching him. If he doesn't want to be caught, man, <laughs> I can't catch up to him. There's no way. Um, and I can try to outsmart him, uh, but he's so fast, even if I do outsmart him, he's already gone before I can get a hold of him. Uh, but he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of work, and I really enjoy uh, having him. Um, but one thing that I've noticed um, is that he does not savor his food. All right? um, he is the hungriest dog I have ever had uh, or seen. And man, uh, right now, he's uh, nine to ten months old, and he eats um, four and a quarter cups of food a day, um, which I, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of food for a dog, I feel like. I've never had a dog that eats that much, and he's still hungry. <laughs> uh, he's ready to eat more. If I put a whole other bowl of food out for him, he'd eat it. He'd have no problems. And um, he'd have no problem getting it down and getting it down quick. You know, uh, sometimes I think, like, okay, I'll feed him, and while he's eating, I'll go and do something real quick while he's distracted. And, man, by the time I put that bowl down and walk away, he's, like, standing there, can I have more? <laughs> uh, and he, he doesn't savor his food. I, I, I don't know about you, but I like to spend some time uh, savoring my food. Um, not all the time. You know, sometimes you're just hungry and you want to scarf it down. Um, I don't know about you, but I really like a good steak. All right? How many of you like steak? It's probably one of my favorite food groups, steak. <laughs> All right? Um, and, you know, I don't know uh, how you would necessarily um, qualify a steak as a good one. Um, but my dad always said that a good steak doesn't need any sauce. And I, I stand by that, that, um, 
that explanation of a good steak, that definition. A good steak, to me, doesn't need any sauce. And now, I, I don't know about you and how you uh, take the temperature on your steak, but I like it a little bit more on the rare side. You know, I don't want it still mooing, but you know, I like uh, I like a little chew. Uh, I like I, I like a medium rare to a rare steak. I, I really enjoy that. Um, you know, there are some people that um, order uh, their steaks well done, and I say, why are you ruining a good steak? Um, you're burning it. Um, I've also heard, I, this is just a, a free fact for the day for you, but I've heard that if you go to a nice restaurant and order a steak well done, uh, I've heard that they give you a worse cut of meat for the same price. So they'll find the, the cheaper meat, the, the meat that's not as well marbled or um, just kind of the off steak, and they'll give you something that's not as nice because in their eyes, they're, you're you're ruining the steak anyways, so why give you a nice cut when they could give you a, a worse cut for the same price? Um, fun fact. I don't know if it's true, but uh, I live my life by that fact when I go to a steakhouse is I'm not ordering a steak that is well done. I don't like it burnt. <laughs> All right? Um, but one thing that I really enjoy about a good steak is savoring the flavor you know what? It doesn't really matter how it's prepared or seasoned. But I don't want to just scarf it down. I want to enjoy it. You got to make that thing last because they're not cheap. <laughs> All right. So when I have the off chance to get a good steak, I don't want to scarf it down. I want to enjoy it. I don't want it to be over. I want to get as much out of it as I can. And much in the same way, we should learn to savor the gospel. Let it sit for a while. Enjoy it. Oh, that's that's another thing that came to my mind about steak. If you don't let it rest, all right, it's a bad steak. You got to let it rest before you cut into it, all right? I know it doesn't always make sense because you're like, well, now it's getting cold. But if you cut it too soon, all the flavor just pours out onto your plate and it's done. You might as well have uh, burnt it and eaten it well done, all right? Okay, I'm off of that now. But the gospel is there for us to savor, to dwell on. The Bible says to meditate therein. To take time to, to delve into it. Allow it to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. To soak it in like a sponge. To marinate in it. Now if we just read the gospel, we read the Word of God, uh, through as quickly as we can to check it off the list for the day. I don't think you're going to get out of it as much as you might think if you were to sit down and to take your time to dwell on each word and the significance that God has it there for. God says every word, His Bible is there for a reason. Every jot, every tittle is there because God has purposed for it to be there. And so if you spend any time dwelling on each word from the Word of God, I think it would have much more significance in our lives. Because then we allow the living Word of God to enter into our lives and to change it for the better. We have to learn to savor 
explore the depths of the gospel as you apply the truth of his word to every aspect of your life. Lastly, this morning, we need to learn to share the gospel. The gospel is never intended just for you and me. It is never intended to stay within the walls of this church. The gospel is meant to be shared to the ends of the earth. And we're all to have a part in that. We ought to be sharing the gospel with our family, our friends, our neighbors, our teammates, and anyone else that we encounter. Who do you know that needs to hear the gospel? I could, I could pretty boldly say that everyone here in this room could share the gospel with someone that needs it that hasn't heard it before. The amazing part of the Gospel is that God has given us the opportunity to be involved in sharing His Word. The crazy thing is that God doesn't need us to spread the Gospel. He chooses to allow us to be a part. He doesn't force us into it. If you were to never share the gospel with another, even if you have accepted it, it was your choice. But I guarantee you're missing out on one of the greatest blessings that you could ever have. And that's to see another led to Christ through the spreading of the gospel. On that trip to the Philippines, I had the opportunity to share my testimony uh, to some people that hadn't heard it. I didn't know their names. There were some young school children. There are several of them that got saved while we were there. <coughs> Excuse me. It was the first time that I was able to lead someone to the Lord. I'll never forget that moment. And I was so excited. I knew that that's what God wanted me to do with the rest of my life. Even in the times that I doubted, I'd recall that moment and realize and remember that I need the gospel and that I need to share the gospel. We need to share it. If you have good news, why keep it to yourself? I think that if uh, we had the cure to all cancer in the world, I don't think that it's something that we'd keep up, keep in ourselves or keep to ourselves. I think if we discovered the cure to all cancer in the world, that we would share it in an instant. Or at least I'd hope so. But in the gospel, we have something far better than the cure to cancer. In the gospel, we find the cure to sin. The opportunity to be saved from an eternity in a devil's hell. Something that we deserve. But by the grace of God, we're given the opportunity to accept his gospel and to spend an eternity in a place that we don't deserve and could never earn. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity 
to accept him as our Savior and to spend an eternity in heaven with him. And all we've got to do is accept that free gift. Don't you want to share that? If you have it, it's our responsibility to give it to another. That's what the purpose of God is for our lives. That's what He wants us to do. I know that the thought of sharing our faith can be at times overwhelming. But as you think about this new year, in a world where so much is changing, the truth of God's Word has not changed. It may be a new year, but it's the same Gospel. And that good news is to be spread to the world. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've, I'm not much of one for the New Year's uh, resolution. But every year I do want to commit something new to the Lord. I think something that should be on everyone's list of what they're going to commit to the Lord this year would be to commit to share the good news with someone. Whether or not they receive it, even if they reject it, I think that we should purpose to share it with someone that doesn't have it. And I think the reward and the blessing from that would far outweigh any other good news that we could have this year would be to share it with someone new. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes at this time, I thank you for giving me your attention. I'm sorry about my voice. The Lord has placed this message upon my heart because I need it. I believe that Many of us here this morning need it as well. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word and hear the good news that you have for us. God, I ask that in this new year, while the world is changing around us, that we would remember that your gospel never changes and that we need it every day. God, if there are any here this morning that haven't uh, heard the good news until this point or haven't accepted you as their Savior, God, I ask that they wouldn't leave here this morning without getting that right. That, God, that at the end of the day, we could say that everyone here has heard and has accepted the good news of your word. That I ask that you wouldn't allow us to soon forget what we've learned here this morning, but that we would apply it to our lives and that we would uh, be better for having been here this morning. 